Jets fans are understandably frustrated with the state of the team right now, but it's not as hopeless as you think. It's really not, and I'll explain why today on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Wednesday, January 10th, 2024, and I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Thanking you so much for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to the show for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you enjoy the show and are listening on a podcast source, give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. It helps us out, helps other Jets fans find the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com and use code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Well, today we have our weekly mailbag show. Each Wednesday, we do a mailbag show with listener questions. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions. Our first question comes from Vincent. Vincent's a big Jets fan, and like many of you, he is not a happy camper with the state of the team. Vincent wrote to me, hey, John, love the show. It's helped me deal with the Jets craziness through the years. Well, thanks, Vincent. That's very nice of you. Vincent continues, Monday, I was captivated by the exit interviews with the coaches, players, and GM. And my God, I could not have been more disappointed and assured that the Jets will not be turning it around next year. To start with, Salah was completely delusional. He claimed the team got better through the year. He claimed that they are getting better every year and they are close. But what's the evidence? In fact, the Jets scored less points and gave up more points this year compared with 2022. Additionally, the Jets can, can continue the three-year trend under him of getting worse after the bye week. Salah even said his offensive line coach did a good job, which is not surprising since it's a friend of his. Am I wrong to have no faith that Salah will come back to reality and actually critically evaluate his coaching style? The players were pretty scathing on this coaching staff as well beginning with Rodgers' statement on getting the BS out of the way. Then Garrett Wilson all but threw the offensive coaching under the bus. And to be honest, his statement sounded like a player who will not be here in two years when Rodgers is gone. So should I not buy that jersey? Then the GM, who I blame the whole year on. He gives us the typical lines of talk from him. But there's no real evidence in changes to his evaluation system that led us to Zach Wilson, Becton Overwerfs, the signings of Khalil Hardman, Lazard, and Tomlinson the restructuring of Lawson, then not playing him, the selection of McDonald over players of positions of needs, and so on. I don't think the beat properly held his feet to the fire over the, the significant flaws with this team now and moving into next year. Aside from Rodgers coming back, am I wrong to be totally pessimistic that the Jets will realize their faults and address them properly to make themselves a true contender in the AFC? So Vincent, you can tell, is not happy. And I think Vincent probably shares sentiments with a lot of the listeners out there. I think the frustrating thing for me is that the Jets really aren't that far away from being a pretty good team. You know, we've got some young talent here. And that to me, that's the big difference from this team from where it was four or five years ago. You know, there was no Sauce Gardner. There was no um, Garrett Wilson. There was no Brees Hall. And even some of the second-tier guys, like a Michael Carter II, um, you know. And then the, you, they didn't really have that base of talent. A couple of years ago, really, really all they had were Jamal Adams and Marcus May. And those were two guys who played safety. And with all due respect to them and all due respect to the safety position, Safeties don't really move the needle in the NFL. There's, there's a pretty good base of young talent in this team. And here's the other thing in the NFL. You're never really as far away as you think you are. I remember after the 2020 season, 
people acted like the Philadelphia Eagles were doomed. They, they said that's the worst situation in the NFL. Well, two years later, they were in the Super Bowl. They almost won the Super Bowl. And I know this year they've had a bit of a rough finish, but yeah, that team went from being like in the middle of nowhere to almost winning the championship within two years. I mean, a year ago this time, the Houston Texans seemed like the most lost organization in the NFL. They were kind of in the wilderness. So you know, I'm not particularly optimistic about the guys running the team, and I, I tend to agree with Vincent that what we heard on Monday was not particularly encouraging from Salah. And in fact, you know, not changing anything on the offensive coaching staff. I mentioned it on yesterday's show that the coaching staff in 2022 on the offensive side of the ball got fired for less. You know, they, they did a better job than the, the Jets did in 2023, and they still got fired. I, I can understand the frustration. I can understand the degree of pessimism Vincent has, but you have to remember, like, you're never really that far away in the NFL. Like, the Jets, that, like, maybe this is one of the things that's frustrating. If the Jets would just kind of chill out for a year, like, this team with Rodgers coming back, you know, who knows? Maybe they can make a, the run to the playoffs. Maybe they could get in, and once you get in, anything can happen. I think the problem with the Jets right now, and this is something that's got to change, is they got to get off this idea that, like, you know, they have this short window where Rodgers is going to carry the team, and then we don't worry about what happens after that. They have to find more balance. You know, I think next year the goal should be let's get to the playoffs instead of like this whole let's load up for try and make a Super Bowl one with, run with Rodgers. I don't think that's realistic, but can the Jets be, be one of the top seven teams in the conference next year? Absolutely. And I feel like if that happens, the team will have a com completely different feel. And I feel like part of what Rodgers, the goal with Rodgers should be is to not be to try and like pump this team up to win for one run and then just disregard what happens after it. What the Jets should be trying to do is change their reputation across the league. Because right now, you know, the Jets don't really have a very good reputation. If you like go to the playoffs next year with Rodgers and you have this iconic player you know, going across telling people, you know, this was a good experience for me, even if he retires at the end of next year, it's going to change a lot of perceptions across the league. So to me, like that's what the focus should be. And like they're not that far away. It's not like a totally hopeless situation like it was in 2019 with Adam Gase in 2020. Now, I don't look, I, I, I guess I fall somewhere between, you know, uh, feeling really good about the team. Like a lot of people think that just if you bring Rodgers back suddenly you're a Super Bowl contender, I don't buy that. I don't think all is lost though. I do think you've got like a really promising young core right here. And if you just like, they could just, they're not that far away. Like just make a couple smart decisions, value your draft picks, have a smart off season with your cap. It's not that it's within your grasp. Just do that. And we'll be in pretty good shape. You know, Doug, I think Vincent's right. Douglas has not done a good job. Uh, Sal has not done a good job. I understand. I think after a season like this, after a 13-year stretch like this, it's understandable you're frustrated. And I know, like, I sound like a broken record. I know people will say, John, you always say this. When's it going to happen? But at some point, the Jets are going to be good again. At some point, the Jets will just, like, fall into, like, a good season. I know, and I know I've been saying this since the podcast began in 2016, and it hasn't happened yet, but it is going to happen. And it's really hard to stay this bad for this long. And at some point, it's just going to work for the Jets, I promise. Next question, John, why do I feel the dread that Dalvin Cook's going to produce in the playoffs for the Ravens and make the Jets even look even worse? Well, Jets fans are not in a good mood. Uh, that's a great question. Um, I would not actually I would actually not be surprised if Dalvin Cook strung together a couple decent games. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if he went out and played terrible for Baltimore because I think he's pretty much finished. But. You know, there's always the old guy can always like find rejuvenation for a game or two. There's always like a good game or two in, in any you know, guy who used to be a, a quality player. And I think, you know, getting to Baltimore, change of scenery, 
being a little fired up for the playoffs in a good offense and a good system and a good scheme that will open up opportunities, especially opportunities in the run game. I could see Dalvin Cook playing well. You know, the thing with Baltimore is like this is Baltimore got Dalvin Cook at like the point you should get him. They got him where all his value was low, and they say, you know what, we're going to test this guy out. If he's got anything great, if not, we haven't invested anything in him. The Jets bought high, and that ultimately, in retrospect, was the mistake I think for the Jets. You know, they bought high and they gave him this big role. Baltimore's bringing him in, and they're you know they maybe test him out for a couple carries, and if he has the hot hand, maybe they'll stick with him. If not, then nothing, nothing lost. So, but ultimately, look, this was a failed signing for the Jets. Dalvin Cook's at the end of his career. And I'm not gonna over. I'm not gonna panic over like Dalvin Cook having a couple nice carries because at the end of the day he got plenty of opportunities with the Jets, and you know I think it's something like his longest play from scrimmage this year wouldn't even be in Brees Hall's top thirty. So you know you can't panic over things like that. I don't think it makes the Jets necessarily look bad. I think if Cook shows he has anything left in the tank, I'm not totally convinced he's going to do that, but I think it would make Baltimore look good. I think what made the Jets look bad was giving him that much money when, you know, he was really at the end of his career. Now, head here on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we're going to turn our attention to another favorite topic of Jets fans, man. Everybody's in a bad mood this week. We're going to turn our attention to the owner, Woody Johnson. Is it possible the NFL could actually intervene with Woody? It's actually got some precedent. You may be surprised to learn that. I'll tell you what that is as we continue on this Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Jets podcast. This episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we talk for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. And it must be a helpless feeling if someone you care about got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from getting the life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, because of Jace Medical, you can be okay. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, skin infections, among others. This stuff can happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code locked on to get $20 off your first order. Again, it's Jace Medical, J A S E Medical.com. Offer code locked on is one word with no space, L O C K E D O N, to get $20 off your first order. This episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by Prize Picks. You know, Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than on two to six player stat projections and you watch the winnings roll in. You can test your prize your skills on Prize Picks this football season. It is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match. Again, it's prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code NFL. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for a first deposit match of up to $100 using prize picks. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Jets your first listen or first watch every day. And a big shout out to you everydayers. This is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. We have new episodes each day through the week, Monday through Friday, and then bonus episodes as needed. We continue. Our next question is from Drew. Uh, Drew writes, hi, John. I totally despise Woody Johnson. At best, he's a meddling nincompoop 
And at worst, he does not care how the team does as long as he makes money. Do you think there's any chance the NFL tells him to get his act together at some point, or is this just wishful thinking at my part? I firmly believe we are never winning the Super Bowl with him as the owner. So as you can tell, Jets fans not really thrilled. At least the people submitting the questions to me are not thrilled. If you're a happy Jets fan, please submit your questions next week to the mailbag. I think we need a little bit more positivity in our questions. Um, could the NFL intervene with Woody Johnson? I, look, I don't think they're going to like make him sell the team. But there actually is precedent for something like this happening. In the late 1970s, the New York Giants, the team across town, was just a disaster. And the biggest issue was they had dysfunctional ownership. They had two owners. They had Wellington Mara. It was actually a very legendary figure in NFL circles now. And part of the reason he's legendary is that the Giants figured this thing out and the league got involved. He was like constantly bickering with his nephew. And uh, Pete Rosell, the commissioner, essentially stepped in at one point and said, you know what? This executive, George Young from Miami, you got to bring him in, hire him. And George Young came in and turned the Giants around. The Giants eventually hired a guy, Ray Perkins, as their head coach, who left after a short tenure. But in this, one, of per, one of the assistants Perkins hires was promoted to head coach after he left. Uh, Perkins got the head coaching job at the University of Alabama. And when he left, one of his assistants, Bill Parcells, took over the Giants. Uh, Young and Parcells combined for two Super Bowls. And you know the Giants. It's very difficult to imagine this, but the Giants were the Giants actually had like people uh, signing airplanes to fly banners over there over over their games. You know we've heard that a lot with the Jets through the years about you know, the the air. We've seen this multiple times. Somebody hire an airplane to fly a banner expressing frustration with the Jets. Well, that was happening to the Giants in the late seventies. The league stepped in. Would the league step in again and like make advice to give Woody Johnson advice? I mean, I don't know, but one thing that like people kind of miss on this stuff because it, like. Everybody, I, I think this is true across the NFL. People think like the league's out to get their team. They think there's like some conspiracy. The league's out to get you. And sometimes a blown calls because the league's out to get you or, you know, other things that happen across the league. Look, I'm not saying the Jets never have blown calls. Jets actually have had a lot of, Jets actually had quite a few blown calls get, go against them this year. Officiating really did hurt the Jets this year. But the league has every incentive to like help the team in its number one market succeed. And I don't know, would, would they eventually step in and say, you know, they, they can't, they, I don't think they'd force tell Woody you're going to have to sell the team. But I do think it's possible that they like look at the situation and say, Woody, you know, maybe this is what you should do because we won't want the Jets to keep being bad. I, I think it's conceivable. Now, would Woody listen? I, I don't know. I mean, the other thing with Woody is like, I, I do think he cares. I, you know, I think some people believe he just cares about making money. I think he cares. I think the problem with Woody is like, he views relevancy and he views winning the offseason as like the path to winning the Super Bowl. And that's not always the case. In fact, it's more often than not, it's not the case. More often, it's the teams that don't make the headlines for the splashy moves in the offseason that end up really improving their team in the offseason. Because like sometimes the under the radar moves, the guy you get who nobody is expecting to be good, but you're, you've done a great scouting job and you found a hidden gem. That's how you end up being good, drafting well. You know, Nobody's ever excited about the third, fourth round pick, but if you scout really well, and you get a great player that really helps your team. These are the things the Jets need to focus on over winning the offseason. Now, again, I there is precedent for the, the league did this of decades ago. Would they do it again? Well, they do have every incentive to like try again. Jets are number one market in the league. It's good for the leagues when the, the New York teams are good. So, you know, I think it's conceivable. Would Woody listen? I don't know. Next question You can cut one jet, disregard Capitz. Who is it and why? This one, I, I you know, sometimes I have to think a lot about these questions. This one was easy. Alan Lazard. This is this guy is one of my least favorite players. I, I mean, he just brings nothing to the table. And it, it, I guess like disregarding the cap hit actually 
I guess, well, this year, if you cut him, there's there's a lot of dead money, but like he's got a huge cap hit, which is part of the reason I cut him. Uh, but he's a big receiver who like doesn't play big. So like, you know, he, do, he doesn't run good routes. He doesn't separate, but a guy his size, you're not really necessarily expecting that. You know, the bigger guys tend to be plotters. They tend to really not have a lot of speed. And because they're bigger, you know, they can't make sh- cuts as sharp because it, it kind of takes a little while to get their momentum going. But usually, what they make, what they lack in, you know, speed and quickness and route running, they make up for in size. Where you just throw them the ball, they're like a human passing lane. Just throw them the ball; he'll outfight somebody for for it. Lazard never outfights anybody. Lazard's got to be the softest, like, big-bodied receiver I've ever seen. I shouldn't say that because I've seen I've seen Stephen Hill, but like he's in that category where he just like he doesn't win contested catches. And a guy that size to play as small as he does, it's so frustrating to me. And I remember last year when the Jets signed him, and I think like part of it's some people will just like tell you any offseason move the Jets make is good. And that's the only thing I can figure out why people thought Lazard would be a good signing. Because look, his stats were bad in Green Bay. And it's not like you could say he's going to play better now that he's got Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. He had Aaron Rodgers his whole career in Green Bay. Beyond that, I actually like watched the film on some of his games. And when I watched the film, I saw the same thing. I saw he was just like he couldn't separate. Again, not surprising. He didn't have a lot of speed. Not surprising. Not a great route runner. Not surprising. But what surprised me is like how soft he was. He never fought for the ball. That's just not good. You know, I, I remember thinking like this is a guy the Jets fans are. You know, Jets fans haven't really watched this guy. That's why they're praising him. Jets fans are going to love to hate this guy, and I hate to be right about that. I wish I, I wish he went out there and proved me wrong, but unfortunately, he did not. Now, head here on the Lockdown Jets podcast. We'll talk about a guy who I have more hope for, Elijah Vera Tucker. Robert Sala made some headlines with some comments he made about Vera Tucker, how the Jets may handle him going forward. And we'll talk about how they might be able to avoid injuries as we continue on this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Jets podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Around New Year, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you finally organize one part of your space and you want to tackle another Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Therapy has so many benefits. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And it's not just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOn. Again, BetterHelp. This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Wednesday. We're doing our weekly mailbag show. Our next question, John, in a recent podcast, you discussed Salah's comments suggesting that perhaps AVT changing positions so often contributed to his injuries. I would take this one step further and say specifically playing offensive tackle is what injured AVT. He has short arms, so he and so he's getting out leveraged. His season-ending injuries have always occurred after he made the change to full-time offensive tackle. Do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I couldn't tell you. I think that's what Salah's kind of getting at. That's my guess. I mean, you know, it's difficult to say. I mean, did that happen? Did those injuries happen because of the plays that he was, uh, you know, trying to execute a tackle? It's really tough to say. Salas and the Jets certainly seem to think so. So I think like that's actually like the theory the Jets are going with. 
for me, like I, I can't speak medically about it. So my mindset is just, you know, they've moved him around so much. And I understand guys in the NFL change positions relatively frequently. I understand that, you know, it's not necessarily the biggest deal, but I just like to see them stick him in one spot and keep him there. And I feel like I, I, I kind of laid out on yesterday's show the case for tackle and the case for guard. The case for tackle is essentially that it's hard to find a tackle in the NFL. So if a guy could play both positions, tackle is probably where you should stick because tackle is kind of the higher value position because of the scarcity. But I think like guard might be the spot for him. As you mentioned, like, you know, there maybe there's an injury, maybe there is a risk of him being out leveraged because he has shorter arms. And I think like that's where the Jets originally planned to stick him. So I kind of lean toward playing guard and also coming off the Achilles injury. I think you don't want to put as much stress on him and playing tackles tougher because you have to protect the edge. You know, you're playing inside. If there are any lingering effects to that Achilles injury, they're not going to be as big of a deal because he's not going to have to, you'll have a guy on each side of him. So he won't need to protect as wide of a space. You know, he won't need to, kick out uh, you know you won't need to you won't need to get out with agility as quite as far so i kind of lean towards him playing guard you know whether that's a medical thing i you know difficult to say and our last question john i think in an ideal world the jets make bryce huff a priority this offseason realistically he's a premier pass rusher and he's going to cost a lot of money we've invested a lot of resources in pass rushers recently and salah rotates linemen frequently do you think the jets should invest that much money into huff or delegate the money to adding talent to the offense. To me, like this is like one of the things when I say like the Jets are so backwards as an organization. This is one of the things like I point to me. I look to. Right, this is a player who had double digit sacks, ten sacks. He played less than half the snaps this season, and he's twenty five years old. Like, there's no context we're trying to keep this guy. We do anything other than try and keep this guy. Like sometimes we we overcomplicate things. Yes, the Jets should focus on the offense this offseason, but that doesn't mean that like, at the expense of letting a premium 25-year-old pass rusher walk out the door. I think that the move that you probably make if you're tight on money is you look to trade John Franklin Myers, who kind of had a down year and is kind of reaching the age where you wonder whether he's at the end of his prime, and you keep the guy who's in his prime and use the money that you save to keep Huff around. Because if you, I'm assuming that if you're letting Huff go, you're keeping JFM around. Well, you, you, you always should try and trade guys a year before, right around the time their prime's ending. JFM's, you know, late 20s. He's approaching 30. So I, I, know, I know he kind of plays a different role because he's more of a power end, whereas Huff's just like a pure edge rusher who gets after the quarterback. But I, I don't see any rationale for not trying to keep Huff. And here's, here's the other thing I'm going to say, because I, I already see this coming. There's a price where a player doesn't make sense for a team. And Huff, now the Jets have really put themselves behind the eight ball here. And this is the point I'm going to make is like the first day of free agency, Huff may get a huge contract from somebody else. And people will say, well, good job by the Jets. They couldn't afford Huff. They got to focus on the offense. It's too much money for a pass rusher. Yeah, the Jets deserve no praise at all in, if that situation plays out because they had every opportunity to lock Huff, Huff up before he hit free agency. Was I was I or was I not saying a year ago that that was the perfect time to extend Huff? And look, I'd be lying to you if I thought Huff was going to have 10 sacks this year. But a year ago, I said it on the show multiple times that he was at a point of his career. He was a year away from free agency. He had made nothing in the NFL. You know, it's always risky to wait another year because you could suffer an injury that injury that uh, affects your trajectory. So it's always in your incentive to try and get paid when you can, even if you leave a little money on the table. The Jets could have had a Huff on a bargain deal a year ago. I mean, I know there's always the possibility some guys will say, I'm playing through, I'm playing my, my contract here. 
I don't think Huff would have done it. That's just an educated guess because again, he'd made no money and he was one injury away from you know, not never being able to earn in this league. So I think he probably would have left a lot of money on the table. And this was at a point where he was a situational pass rusher. Jets would have one of the best contracts in football if they had done this a year ago. I mean, it doesn't really matter what they gave him because it wouldn't have been as much as he provided this season. I think that um, this was a misstep by the Jets. And even during the season, I think they had opportunities. I think the problem with Huff is that they just completely misread the situation. Why did they bring Lawson back this year? They're going to have Lawson's going to count $6 million against the cap next year when he's not on the team. And they just could have cut him last year and saved eight figures in cap space. They brought him back. They restructured that deal and they pushed dead money to the future to bring Lawson back because they didn't think Huff was good enough. Why did they draft Will McDonald? I think in part because they didn't know what they had enough. I think they completely missed this internal evaluation. And that's one of the reasons they're in tough, such a tough spot. But look, am I buying the idea that bringing Huff back is going to preclude you from you know, improving your wide receiver room or your offensive line room? No, I, I don't buy that at all because the Jets have done nothing but create extra cap space the last year. The Jets have not really shown themselves to you know really care that much about fiscal uh, prudence. And fiscal prudence is figuring out a way to keep a 25-year-old pass rusher. You know, you can always make room for one guy who's a priority guy for you without, like, completely disrupting your team. To me, like, this just makes too much sense. I will be very, very upset if Bryce Huff is not a member of the New York Jets in 2024. I'm just laying it out there right now. Um, you know, this is not this is not the type of thing that should prevent the Jets from getting a good receiver. It should not prevent them from upgrading their offensive line. 25-year-old pass rusher, 10 sacks, less than half the snaps. Common sense. Keep him. Keep him. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. Uh, if you enjoy the show and are listening on a podcast, source, give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. It helps us out. It helps other Jets fans find the show. Hope you have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.